Georgia's Nolan Smith has emerged as the betting favorite for the Falcons pick in round one, just ahead of Iowa's Lucas Van Ness. Let's talk about it on today's Locked on Falcons. You are Locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Sirius Black, and, of course, the very humble host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Don't go ahead and skip your trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Go to HelloFresh.com slash NFL60 or use NFL or code NFL60 for 60% off plus free shipping. And guys, I want to thank everyone that makes Locked on Falcons their first listen each and every day. Make sure you subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So today's episode, we'll be wrapping up our conversations with Scott Kennedy and Kevin Knight of the Falcoholic Live and Dirty Birds and Brood podcast. We've uh, been sprinkling that conversation out over the last two weeks here on the podcast, and, and now we'll wrap those up with their thoughts on you know, some of the pass rushers that the Falcons could get later in the draft, as well as some of the day three options at other positions that the Falcons can get. But we'll start off today's episode talking about the recent buzz that Georgia edge rusher Nolan Smith or Iowa edge rusher Lucas Van Ness could be the Falcons pick or will be the Falcons pick at uh, eight. And Nolan Smith has overtaken Texas running back Bijan Robinson on FanDuel uh, as the favorite for the Falcons at pick eight, with Smith's odds being plus 250 compared to Bijan's plus 300 or three to one. Uh, Lucas Van Ness is third on that list uh, with six to one odds, the same as Tyree Wilson, the Texas Tech defensive end. And so I'm skeptical of this. Uh, but it was around this time last year where pretty much everybody was zeroing in on uh, the Falcons taking a wide receiver in at eight. Although there were still a couple of people that were still pushing the Jermaine Johnson narrative uh, this time last year and into the lead up to the draft. And at around this time, it was wide receivers primarily still seemed to lean a little bit more Garrett Wilson than Drake London at this point. But then I think as we got closer to the draft in the days leading up, it started to lean more Drake London. So I'm hoping that this is not the case again, that this is this assessment that the Falcons may be looking at Nolan Smith or Lucas Van Ness at eight uh, is off the mark. Um, and, you know, when I look at these two players in uh, Smith and Van Ness, you know, let's use their ringer comparisons as sort of what I sort of project them in terms of their ceilings in the NFL. The ringer has Nolan Smith as shades of Hassan Reddick, uh, Lucas Van Ness as shades of Trey Hendrickson. I think these are pretty good comparisons in terms of what I think both of these guys have the potential to become, right? You know, and both Reddick and, and Hendrickson have turned into double-digit sack guys, have been perennial double-digit sack guys the last three years. Uh, now, it didn't necessarily work out for the teams that drafted those guys initially, with Reddick being the 13th overall pick by the Arizona Cardinals several years ago, and Trey Hendrickson not even being a top 100 pick by the Saints a couple of years ago. Um, and 
you know, for that reason, when I look at, you know, Reddick and Hendrickson, those typically are the types of pass rushers that I think you can in, in this draft. I think this is also true that you can kind of get in the second, third, fourth round range guys that have similar upside to those types of players. And I don't feel like Smith and, and Lucas Van Ness in particular offer like safer bets than some of those guys that you may wind up waiting on. We'll talk about a couple of those guys a little bit later in the episode. And the other thing that's notable, especially when you look at Reddick and Hendrickson, is that they were not very productive pass rushers their first three years in the NFL. Now, Reddick, you can blame a lot of that to the Cardinals trying to make him into an off-ball linebacker, then eventually in year four moving him to outside linebacker, and he has blossomed as a perennial double-digit sack guy in every year since. Hendrickson was sort of a rotational piece for the Saints for the first three years, then had his breakout in year four, sort of stepping in for an injured Marcus Davenport and has you know earned a lucrative contract with the Bengals and hasn't looked back ever since. And I'm sure other people can probably poke holes in someone like Tyree Wilson, who you guys know I'm, I'm higher on than others. And, you know, you use the ringer comparison. They use shades of Jadavion Clown. Now I've used that comp with Tyree Wilson. Um, I didn't steal it from the ringer, but you know, I've stolen other ones from the ringer, uh, but not that one in particular. And I don't see that as Wilson's ceiling. I see Clowney as more closer to um, Wilson's eye level. Um, in terms of what I think is probably a safe bet uh, for what he projects to be in the NFL. I think Wilson's ceiling is probably a little closer to Pete Carlos Dunlap. And I'd be curious if I asked the Locked On Bengals guys, and maybe I'll do that after uh, this episode, but you know, would they rather have Pete Carlos Dunlap or Pete Trey Hendrickson? My guess is they probably would prefer Dunlap, but maybe that's just due to the fact that they got seven years of Pete Dunlap in Cincinnati and they've only gotten like two years of that with Hendrickson. And maybe in a couple of years, they might, you know, switch allegiances on that. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll have to, you know, pick their brains on that one. But I, I just look at that and I go, like, man, that's what you're going to use the top 10 pick on. And I just feel like, man, you could do so much better. That's kind of my opinion with Lucas Van Ness or, or Nolan Smith. And, you know, you contrast that with, you know, taking an offensive player there. And we've spent most of the last three months on this podcast talking about, you know, you take the best defensive player available. And if that's a, a player with Wilson's upside or uh, Jalen Carter's upside or Christian Gonzalez's upside, you know, I think you do that all day. We'll see if any of those guys are there. Um, it doesn't sound like Wilson's going to be there. It doesn't sound like Gonzalez is going to be there. Maybe Carter is there, but obviously you can understand why the Falcons, given some of the, um, you know, extracurricular uh, question marks surrounding Jalen Carter, if whatever you want to call it, um, you know, will prompt teams to maybe be lukewarm on his potential on the football field. But I say, like, if you're not going to swing for those upside picks on defense, then take the safe bet on offense. And players like Peter Skaronsky, the Northwestern offensive lineman, or Bijan Robinson, the Texas running back, to me, just are like just better bets. They're probably going to contribute a lot more in the first three years than some of these project pass rushers that we're talking about with Van Ness and Reddick, especially if they follow the, 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 um, not in Nolan Smith, if they follow the Reddick and, and Hendrickson pathways. And I just feel like if you're going to take a project pass rusher, just wait to like the middle rounds, that second to fourth round range where you can get guys like Louisville's Yaya Diaby or, Isaiah McGuire from Missouri or Zach Harrison from Ohio State or Keon White from Georgia Tech if he falls, uh, you know, in this draft. Um, I feel like those are better bets than, you know, pulling the trigger on, on a, you know, Lucas Van Ness or Nolan Smith 
in round one. You know, I, I've come a long way on Skaronsky. We did a mock draft Monday earlier this offseason where I was not necessarily singing Skaronsky's praises. He's not a perfect prospect, but I feel like he's a pretty safe bet. That's going to stabilize the left guard position that has been basically a revolving door for this football team for the last five years. That's going to help out your young quarterback, uh, regardless of who you think that quarterback should be. I know most of the people listening to this podcast are, are on the Ritter bandwagon, but even for those of you that are out there still highly skeptical of Desmond Ritter, don't you want that young quarterback, whoever that guy is, to be able to come in to a situation uh, where he has a really solid offensive line in front of him and, you know, that to me makes way more sense than rolling the dice on, you know, a project player like Van Ness or, or Nolan Smith. Uh, and the same thing with B. John Robinson. I know he doesn't have the long-term upside that, you know, he's probably going to be running out of gas uh, five to seven years from now uh, as a, a running back, as we've seen so often in this league. And that's probably the time where you're hoping, you know, one of these project pass rushers like a Smith or a Van Ness is, is sort of hitting their stride. But, Again, I think it's it's pretty obvious, you know, sort of what Bijan Robinson would do to elevate the floor of this team in in the immediate future, rather than rolling the dice on on one of these project players. So, um, it it would just be a little baffling to me to see the Falcons pass on a player like Jermaine Johnson last year to bet on Lucas Van Ness this year, um, and then the Falcons to continue to double down on, you know, speedy undersized edge rushers like Nolan Smith when they already have. D'Angelo Malone and Lorenzo Carter and Bud Dupree and Arnold Ebiketti are like, you know, I said this before on the podcast when we talked about Nolan Smith on a mock draft Monday, what, two weeks ago or a week or two ago um, that like, I don't think Nolan Smith is a better prospect than Arnold Ebiketti was. And you took Arnold Ebiketti at what, 38. So it, it just doesn't make too much sense to me, but you know, a, you know, Nolan Smith is all about culture and vibes. So at least you could sell me on that. Like you can't, you can't really sell me on Lucas Fernandez at eight. Like you, you can't. Uh, I'm sorry. Like I can. At least I can buy Nolan Smith because he's just a culture guy, right? You know, I think Skaronsky would be a culture guy and actually would contribute to your team in the next three years, as opposed to Nolan's a bit. But that, that's just that's just me. So we'll see how it all plays out. Hopefully, you know, Fanduel will be doing some uh, swapping on their, um, you know, predictions uh, over the next week as we lead up to this draft but we'll just see how it all plays out and we'll see you know what the rest of today's episode has in store for you with scott kennedy uh giving his thoughts on yaya diaby the louisville pass rusher uh who's one of those guys that i feel like if you're gonna bet on a project you know wait uh and, and bet on that guy you know after round one uh and and so we'll we'll get scott's thoughts on that coming up on today's locked on falcons but Guys, we're all excited about the draft coming up, and you should also be excited about what's coming to Built.com on April 22nd. I don't have all the details yet, but the excitement is real. All of us in the Locked On group chat are wondering, like, what's going on at Built.com? So you guys need to wonder, and you don't want to miss this. I don't know what it is, but, you know, if you don't know how Built works, it's the most incredible protein bars in the world. They have these amazing flavor drops from time to time with unreal flavors, and they come in limited quantities, and they're having their next one. So mark your calendars uh, for Built.com on Saturday, April 22nd, to be one of the first to discover what all the hype is all about. I can't wait to see what this new flavor is. So make sure you head on over to Built.com. You know, you can do that now to get what the current flavors are, or you can wait till April 22nd. And when you do, guys, make sure you use the promo code LOCKEDON15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-1-5, and you'll get 15% off your order. One other guy I want to talk about before we uh, before we get out of here, 
uh, is Yaya Diaby, the uh, defensive lineman. He's kind of a edge hybrid because I saw him slide inside, even though he's only 265 pounds from Louisville. Um, what was his? He measured. Let me see here. And I, I liked him for what he did on the eye test. Okay. He's beating his guys. I like the way he uses his hands. He's winning his reps. He's disrupting the, uh, the 11 B 11s. He's doing all the right things on the field. Okay. How do his measurables then stack up against what we would consider NFL competition? So I like what I saw watching him. Now let's see what he does at the NFL combine to see if he's got the, the measurables that also fit the bill. Six, three and a quarter, 263 pounds with 34 inch arms. Okay. That works. Four, five, one in the 40 with a 37 inch vertical leap. The kid's explosive too. And I see him in the hundreds. Second or third round for me, Aaron. Love him. Okay. Yeah. I just watched a little bit of him for the first time, you know, uh, last week. I was like, okay. Yeah. You know, that's a, a solid player you know like I, I think there's a lot of solid developmental pass rushers in this draft that's where i think again if you're if you're having third fourth round picks in this draft you can find some guys similar to what the falcons did last year with d'angelo malone and i think you can probably get some guys that are probably better than d'angelo malone uh in this year's class compared to last year's class and last year's class was also a deep edge group Guys with a little more size, I think, yeah. is the difference this year. There's, If you want to talk the smaller guys, I think those are the ones that are getting talked about at the top. Will Anderson, um, Nolan Smith. These are guys, you know, in the 240 range. So it made me think I went and looked up, uh, you know, Vic Beasley's combine numbers. I'm like, all right, Aaron, you watch. I know you, I watch a lot of these guys, but you watch more guys than I do. I'm like, what's, what's to keep? these guys from just becoming Vic Beasley again, do they have more bend, more strength? Cause Vic was kind of a, a one trick pony. You know, if he wasn't beating you with speed, he wasn't beating you in this draft. There's guys that are they're They're just bigger. You know, they're 265, 270. And the question you have to ask Aaron, how much Ade Ogundeji do I want to see on the field again? Yeah. None, I, none. He was, he was a liability. God bless him. He's, he's, he was a, fifth or fourth or fifth round pick late pick he, he shouldn't be out there but he was forced to play a lot in the last two years that's an easy upgrade for me uh in in the middle rounds of this draft Aaron I agree I agree I think the goal is to make Ade Ogundeji put him on the bubble and you know if he does make the team then Special teams only. We don't need him on defense. That's kind of the goal, to have that deep rotation. That's something that I think Ryan Nielsen had when he was in New Orleans. That was kind of the, the strength of that Saints defense was having deep eight, nine guys that can play and give you plus value on the football field up front. And based off of the moves that the Falcons have been making so far, and I think with moves still to come in the draft, they will also be looking to add that, and especially at that edge rusher uh, position. Yeah, the spine, the spine of the defense is what's been addressed with the the big money so far, right in the middle. David Onyemata, um, you go Caden Ellis behind him, and you go Jesse Bates behind him, right down the middle. Now, Jeffrey Okuda and Mike Hughes, okay, they're outside guys at the corner. I said Jesse Bates, yeah, at safety. Yes. I got that right, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gotten so many names going through my head, I'm like, I don't remember hearing Jesse Bates. Did I screw that up? Um, Mike Hughes, Jeffrey Okuda, that helps, but you're still lacking right now for for – your biggest need 
is still pass rush. Mm-hmm. You know, you were talking, I do some Broncos stuff. We do, we do a podcast Broncos for breakfast. They were complaining, oh, we finished 23rd in the NFL with 36 sacks. I'm like, good Lord, that's double what the Falcons get. The Falcons had to improve to 21 or 24 this year after 18 the year before. It's got to get better, man. It just, it it has to, and it, and it will. There's so much more talent, even just up the middle of the defense, that it should help free up some of the edge guys. But mm-hmm. I, if we get back to number, you know, that number eight position, man, it's, it's edge rusher for me. It's, it's gotta be. And then, you know, if there's another guy I like, I'll take two, give me, <laughs> give me two edge rushers. They took two last year. Give me two more. Epichetti showed some good things. Malone is kind of a speed guy, a little, little thin, a little undersized. That's okay. Got him in the middle of the third. You heard me say earlier, if you want a, a dominant early edge rush presence, you better take them quick because they're, they're just different caliber of athletes. And those guys go early. Yes. I agree 100%. So, Scott, I really appreciate you joining me and giving your insight. Any sort of parting words for the listeners out there before we duck out of here? Oh, hi. Uh, I've been saying that this Falcons team, you know, hang on until 2023. This is when the offseason, at least, was going to be fun. Terry Fontenot's delivered. He He's delivered so far. Uh, I think they've done really, really well in free agency. I think this roster has gotten a little, a lot better despite the fact that the national media talking heads are so fixated on Lamar Jackson and that Desmond Ritter just, they've already written him off. Like what was he two and two as a starter last year on a pretty talent, poor team. He's got a chance to do okay. And I'm, I'm for the San Francisco 49ers philosophy of let's build the team around the quarterback. That's good enough that we're not completely dependent on a $50 million guy in the middle. So I like what Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith and the Atlanta Falcons are doing this offseason. And the game should be a hell of a lot more fun to watch next year. Absolutely. I agree 100%. You know, it, it is one of those things where it's like you, you go out there and you get that $50 million quarterback and all people complain about is, hey, well, you didn't put enough talent around him. And it's like, yeah, you know, it's yeah, that's, that's the point. Let's put the talent around him and Contrary to popular opinion, you know, if the Falcons need to go out there and get that, you know, superstar quarterback in the future, they will have opportunities to do that uh, and certainly will hopefully have a much better team around that player if Desmond Ritter does not necessarily live up to being that guy. It gets expensive. You know, that was that was my argument for Justin Fields all along was you might not have a chance to get a quarterback like this again and getting up, getting a franchise quarterback is expensive. Expensive. You know, we talk about what the Denver Broncos gave up for Russell Wilson. He was 33 years old. Uh, what did the Panthers just give up to move up to the number one spot? You know, you try and trade for a 40 something year old Aaron Rodgers is going to cost you a bunch. Lamar Jackson is at least two firsts and $250 million. And you had a chance to get a hometown guy who's uber talented at the number four position. But the thing is, if they build that team around, so I'll come back to what I said a minute ago. If you build that team around, you're not quarterback dependent. You can move some money around in order to go and and make a trade to get that guy because you are truly a quarterback away instead of having him getting his brains beat in for the last two years. (laughs) Absolutely. So, Scott, let the people know where they can find your stuff, what you have coming for them in the lead up to the draft. Sure. I appreciate that, Aaron. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Scout Kennedy. That's where I'll link most of my things. If you're on YouTube, just head over to youtube.com slash Scott Kennedy. 
I worked at scout.com for 15 years. So the play on words kind of works there with uh, scout Kennedy for my Twitter handle. Um, allfalcons.com. We do a lot of writing on this and then, uh, you know, you'll find me making snide comments in Aaron's feed all the time too. So, well, you guys might see Scott again. If, uh, the Falcons wind up signing Dalton Reisner, uh, a little bit later this off season. And you can tell by Scott's face, what his reaction to that move. <laughs> will wind up being. Yeah. I, uh, like I said, I do a lot of Broncos stuff and last year there's not a single Falcons lineman. I would have swapped for a Broncos lineman, not a one. Not a one. Their best lineman. In fact, really, they're only good linemen. I don't even say they're best. They're only good linemen. They're only not crappy linemen was their right guard. And I don't care who else you've got. The Falcons have Chris Lindstrom. It's like Chris, Chris, Chris Lindstrom is better at right guard than insert name. It didn't matter. But Matthews played better than Bowles. Reisner was awful. Cushionberry was awful at center. And then right tackle was a revolving door of castaways and injuries and Caleb McGarry played great you don't get better by signing Dalton Reisner <laughs> well guys <laughs> we'll get a 30 minute version of that if the Falcons wind up signing him a little bit later so uh that's just Scott giving you a taste of his uh Dalton Reisner takes but guys really appreciate you tuning in we'll be back for more Locked on Falcons so guys that is going to do it for us with Scott Kennedy making his final pre-draft appearance on the podcast we'll probably wind up talking to Scott at some point post-draft over the next couple of months we got to fill some of that time during the summer uh but in the meantime be sure if you haven't already check out Scott's uh YouTube channel I'll link to it in the description below you know especially if you're into those senior bowl highlights where you want to see a Yaya Diaby and Isaiah McGuire Keon White some of those guys were that, that were down in Mobile this year uh that I feel like you know if you're going to bet on a project player after round one go ahead bet on those types of guys but we'll see how that all plays out again appreciate scott for joining me uh over the last couple of days and we'll be joined once again for probably his final pre-draft uh, appearance on the pod which is kevin knight of the falcoholic and he's going to talk about some of his day three options for the falcons at running back at receiver at linebacker some of these guys that the falcons could target in those middle rounds and we'll get into that to wrap up today's locked on falcons so, guys, here with Kevin Knight of the Falcoholic and the Dirty Birds and Bruce podcast, and we've already talked a little bit about some of the Falcons' day one and second round targets. And now, Kevin, whether you want to go third round, fourth round, seventh round, whatever the case may be, you know, who are some other players that you're sort of circling as potential Falcons and that you would love to see this team add uh, when we get to Friday and Saturday of this upcoming draft? Yeah, I mean, I think the same position groups still apply from the from our previous round discussions. It just depends on who they haven't taken yet. I think corner in particular at 75 is the one that I always come back to. I think the corners on the board at 75 are almost always good. Um, you all, like It's such a deep class that some guys are going to fall, whether that's really surprising guys like DJ Turner, which shocks me whenever he's still around there. It's not that crazy. I mean, I think um, Jordan Reed, who is definitely one of the more plugged in draft analysts, had Turner going like 69 in his seven round mock draft, um, which is only a few spots away. So, I mean, that's not out of the question. I would just fly to the podium for DJ Turner, which is what he does on the field. I mean, this man ran a 4 2 6. I mean, I, I guess I thought the NFL was going to take Tariq Woolen a lot higher, too. And I still don't understand what went, what happened there. But, um, DJ Turner, definitely like a smaller corner, but uh really, really good speed guy. And tape is really good. Uh, you know, guys like Clark Phillips, just a really good player, but small. 
Um, you know, I think you're tempted to take him if he's still there in the third, just because he's, he's good enough. Um, you just figure out where you're going to play him. Maybe he's a matchup guy on the outside and plays most of the slot, but um, I really like Caillou Blue Kelly too from Stanford, uh, one of the better senior bowl corners. And the Falcons, I think, are going to be playing a lot more man. And that's what Caillou Blue Kelly does. He's a really good man corner. Doesn't look as comfortable in zone, but if they're going to play, play mostly man coverage on the outside, especially, um, I think he'd be a perfect fit. And I think he'll play really well as long as you keep him in man coverage. Uh, I think he can learn to play zone better. It's not like he has athletic limitations or anything like that. It's just, uh, so much more comfortable playing man. I think he, he just is a really sticky guy there. And then um, the edge guys, I don't love as much in that range. Occasionally guys fall, but I, I, I think typically I don't go edge in the third round. Um, there could still be interior guys, interior offensive line guys out there at that point. Um, you know, it just depends on, on who falls. But uh, I think in the third round is really also a wide receiver spot. Um, I think, you know, I mentioned Marvin Mims. It's really rare that he falls that far, but I would certainly pounce on the opportunity to add Marvin Mims at, at that point. Um, and then there's a lot of other guys there too. Um, you know, Cedric Tillman does occasionally last until 75. I would jump on that. Um, he definitely seems like the Arthur Smith archetype <laughs> at wide receiver. And I think he's a lot better than his 2022 film. I mean, you watch that 2021, it's really impressive. I like Jaden Reed. Um, you know, Tyler Scott, uh, if they're looking for a speed guy, um, I think it's a little early for Tank Dale. That's maybe more of a day three thing, but there's a lot of, of really good wide receivers in, in that range. Um, so yeah, typically in that third round range, I go like corner or wide receiver. That's generally what I'm, I'm most happy with. Um, and then on day three, it's, there's a lot of needs. I think that they'll try to address on day three, any of the main ones they didn't hit on earlier. They'll, they'll continue to look at, but I think running back, it, you know, if we don't get Bijan, obviously it's still a need. Um, I think in the fourth round, there's usually some really good running backs available still. Um, guys like uh, Israel, uh, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to push this fight out. Stop. Abanaconda. Yeah. 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 Okay. I got to take, got to stop, you know, and read it through all the way. Um, you know, and, and I know he's, he's your guy, right? Pit Panther. So. <laughs> uh, and then. Yeah, and then we got like Tajay Spears, um, which I still find it hard to believe he's going to fall to the fourth round. But I guess p- some people say w- because of his injury history and the fact he's a little bit smaller, um, he might fall. So, I mean, obviously he'd be a great fit, I think. Um, you know, D- Devon A-Chain, uh, love that speed. Roshan Johnson, um, you know, Chase Brown later. Uh, Evan Hole really late, you know, I think those are all guys you could consider. Same thing with receiver. If they don't get one, there's, there's like, it just, you're looking more at the specialist guys or like the, the projecty guys, but you know, Bryce Ford, Wheaton, Andre Yosevis are guys that the Falcons definitely could be interested in um, who are both good blockers. So at least they could get on the field for that. And then you sort of develop their, their route trees and things of that nature. Um, linebacker. They, I think they, Still need one. Um, I do tend to think it'll be more of like a day three thing, but uh, th- there's some good ones out there. Like uh, Diane Henley was really good at the senior bowl. Uh, DeMarvion Overshone, I think makes a lot of sense for what they need in the linebacking room. Um, I like uh, Muhammad, Muhammad uh, Diabate from Utah. Um, and then Ivan Pace Jr. is another guy that 
he's a short king. I mean, nothing else to say. Like he just, <laughs> I don't care that he's five ten. I really don't. Um, with this defensive line, which is hopefully going to be good for a change, if you keep Ivan Pace clean, he's just a monster. Like he is a heat-seeking missile. Uh, and and they love to blitz linebackers. And there's, I don't know that there's a better blitzing linebacker in this entire draft than Ivan Pace. So, um, I, I'd be happy with him too. Uh, and then you know you can never rule out tight end for Arthur Smith. You just can't. Uh, so that's that's going to be out there too and then i think i think they could be interested in adding like a depth safety um maybe adding like a nose tackle late if they're not sure about eddie goldman um you know that may be something they consider and maybe like a long-term swing swing tackle or more offensive tackle depth you know they did re- they didn't bring back uh jermaine Fetty, so it's not as pressing but could be something on the board late they've definitely been visiting with a lot of like late round tackles so okay so, um, you know, another question I, I, I want to ask you when it comes to some of these day three guys, we've seen this team, you know, mind the senior bowl uh, quite a bit in the past. Do you think we'll see a little bit more Shrine Bowl guys this year because of their experience, you know, coaching those guys, uh, you know, earlier this offseason? We could. I, I mean, I, I know we heard that they really liked Kytrell Clark from from uh, Louisville, the corner. Um, you know, I think we could see maybe some definitely more shrine players because of their involvement there. I mean, I, I think maybe, maybe we get just all shrine and senior bowl, just top to bottom at this point. Uh, <laughs> Cause I know they love the guys that, that play at those events. Um, but yes, I do. I do think that we'll probably see at least one shrine bowl player and it, and you know, shrine bowl is typically day three guys for the most part. Every once in a while we get a big riser that gets into the day two range from the shrine bowl. But um I do think that, uh, yeah, especially on day three, keep your keep your eyes on those Shrine Bowl guys as potential, especially because they have those two sevenths, which so far I think this regime has gotten out of making any seventh round picks. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they package those at some point for for some sort of trade. Um, when I was looking it up yesterday, uh, they in both of their drafts they have moved off their second round pick. So either whether that's back, which they did in 2021, or up in 2022. Uh, they have moved off their second round pick. So I, I do think they're going to be moving somewhere in the second round. That seems to be their their preferred place to, to jump around. But um, those seventh round picks could be involved in <laughs> for, for, all, for I think they're doing it for me on the live show because they don't want me to have to sit there through pick 225, which I appreciate. Um, so, yeah, all, all in on trading those seventh rounders for something. Absolutely. Well, uh, Kevin, I really appreciate you uh, sharing your insights, uh, talking about a couple of, of players that, you know, haven't probably gotten a lot of love here on Locked on Falcons because we only believe in first round, you know, talents and whatnot. And so we don't talk about any other possible uh, outcomes uh, later in the draft. So really appreciate you joining me for that and let the people know, you know, what you guys got coming over at Dirty Birds and Brews, Falcoholic Live and elsewhere where they can find your stuff. Yeah, so we have our uh, live shows, Falcoholic Live on YouTube, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern. We will be back for all three nights of the draft, technically day, I guess, on Saturday. But um, we'll be live through the whole thing once again. Uh, so you can join us there. It's a lot of fun. We'll have uh, people on to talk about uh, various picks, probably some guests from all across the Falcons, of course, but we'll get some other uh, folks on as well from other teams, perhaps, uh, if they're interested. And then uh, we'll have our first live mock draft. Uh, I don't know when this is going to air, but there's going to be a live mock draft the week of like uh, 
April 10th. And then the, the next week, there will uh, also be a live mock draft. We'll have one like right before the draft uh, itself as well. So those are a lot of fun. I know fans have enjoyed that. Um, yeah. And then on the podcast, we're going to have some more great guests. Uh, we had Daniel Flick uh, on Monday's episode of the pod. We're going to have uh, draft analyst Tyler Fornis on uh, Friday's show. And then we're going to have uh, some more great guests coming on to, to get us closer to the draft itself uh, over the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. All right. Absolutely. Guys, go check it out. Of course, on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast, Kevin, once again, really appreciate you coming on, talking Falcons, looking forward to, you know, several of these guys or some of these guys being the Falcons pick. And, and once we get, the actual picks in to actually talk about, you know, the actual players that play for the Atlanta Falcons, as opposed to the infinite number of names that could possibly play for the Atlanta Falcons. So looking forward to that. Absolutely. It's, it's this, this period is fun where anything can happen, but then the period immediately after where we actually get to do some roster analysis and, and, and especially with a new defensive coordinator coming in, it's going to be a little bit more exciting to try to piece together what we think is going to happen. So definitely looking forward to that. Absolutely. Uh, Lots to come for the Atlanta Falcons this year. So this year, hopefully good you know, things. Yeah. Yes. Hopefully. Good things. Hopefully. Hopefully. We'll see. All right. Yeah. All right, guys, that's it. I hope you guys have a great weekend. I hope you had a fun week here on Lockdown Falcons, continuing to make us your first listen. Uh, our next show will be on Sunday evening if you're watching on YouTube, Monday morning if you're listening to us on your preferred audio platforms. And that will, of course, be our final mock draft monday of the off season and i'll probably wind up doing a seven round mock draft i don't know quite yet if you know in my mind it's going to be a predictive mock draft but you know that means i might have to predict nolan smith in round one and i don't want to predict that <laughs> so we'll, we'll see how it goes uh you know i don't know if it's how much of it's going to be this is what i think the falcons will do versus this is what i think a balance of what i think the falcons will do versus what i think they should do um so we'll figure that out, but make sure you continue to make Lockdown Falcons your first listen on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts, guys. And also, you know, if you haven't already, please swing by the Discord, the Lockdown Falcons Discord on Saturday at 3 p.m. for a symposium. That is our version of a Twitter space where you and I can actually have a conversation via our phones or our computers rather than just a one-way you know conversation that where you guys are making me uh your first listen you know you can actually you know i don't know if you'll be your first conversation at 3 p.m eastern on a saturday but you know what i'm saying like we can actually have a back and forth conversation those run a couple of hours so even if you don't get off work till like six or seven o'clock we still usually go uh pretty late uh in the evening so uh make sure you check it out link in the description below to the discord just a couple of clicks and you'll be able to uh join the discord and, and be able to take part in that please come on swing by for this last symposium before the draft and then i don't know if what we'll do next week and we'll just be me having a meltdown because we took no one <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that's going to do it for us. I hope you have a great weekend. Till then.